forgot that lightsabers can't cut Beskar, okay? Stop calling me Ma. Start your sublight engines. It's time for RuPalp's Pod Race, a queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome to our discussion of the fifth episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, The Pirate. My name is Claudia. My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says, and my Star Wars gender this week is the Mandalorian talking hammer. When I tell you the way I laughed, because at first I was like, oh, he's holding the dark set. Oh, he's holding a hammer. Oh my God, it's the talking hammer. And then he hands it back to her. And I just kept laughing. And then I saw a Tumblr post that was like, this does imply that one time they didn't have the talking hammer and a meeting did end in them throwing hands. So they had to institute the talking hammer. And I think that's really funny. Um, I just think that's hilarious. I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is... <laughs> just Orson Krennic. That's it. I think Sorry. it'd be funny if you were able to like mark down on forms like what do you identify as and it's like male, female, non-binary, Orson Krennic. Orson Krennic, yeah. The secret fourth gender. I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my gender this week is my Zeb-themed fever dream because... And this is lived experience because basically for reasons unbeknownst to me, I awoke this morning at like roughly 4 a.m. I don't know why. I just like I was up and I opened my phone and I, I, you know what you do? You open up Twitter and I immediately saw posts about Zeb like being in the episode. But then I went back to bed. And so when I woke up to like actually get my day started, I fully was like, that was such a weird dream. I don't really know what that was about. Like... <laughs> I thought that I had fully hallucinated the entire experience. <laughs> so when I watched the episode later, I was like, wait, this was real. Hello, my name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. My gender this week is Axwoes has broken Moff Gideon out of prison. I hope that's not true. Here's like, the problem. I, I'm really getting worried that it is true is the thing. I know that would saying. be extremely funny if that like imagine that this is the Axe Wolves reveal. They're like we found we found Beskar alloy and it's from Axe Wolves. The reveal? <laughs> Not the reveal. It's cause like yeah, they left it in the bathroom and he's like, I gotta get my revenge. They can't keep doing this to me. Moth Gideon, I, I'm here to help you out. This is just like a pretty little liars. No, um, I do, I do. <laughs> No, because are you implying are you implying that Axe of Wolves is Mona coded? Am I wrong? <laughs> is Axe Wolves not kind of Mona coded? Camp Axe. <laughs> Get in, girls. We're all, that's where Costco Reeves is. She got a horrible blowout at Camp Axe, and they left oh. her there. And Bo-Katan got hit by a car. Okay, wait. Because Bogus would be Hannah Barricode. <laughs> Help. Anyway, now I do just like the idea of Axe Wolves. And I also love the concept too, like no one at this point in the Star Wars universe is like all that aware of like who he even is. Like they're like, it was Axe Wolves. And they're like, who the fuck is Axe Wolves? <laughs> Bogatan's like, oh, was that my coworker? <laughs> Okay, but also, 
when will bo start receiving text messages and it's signed up with A, but the A stands for Axwolves? <laughs> okay, here's the thing, though. When it did say best guard, whatever, I did think, oh, my God, if it's Axwolves, Mel's really going to win. <laughs> like, it was my first thought. Hi, everyone. <laughs> my name is Ollie. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh to the PH. I use any pronouns. And my gender this week is Wikipedia having to release a statement apologizing for any potential spoilers because they wished me a happy birthday. For reference, March 29th (laughs) is my birthday. March 29th was the episode of The Mandalorian, The Pirate, in which Garza Varelios graced our screens. I had tweeted at Wikipedia on the 28th, the day before, they had tweeted just Thrawn, and I responded, my birthday is tomorrow, can you please tweet about Zeb? So, Wikipedia scheduled a tweet for midnight Pacific time, 3am, that just said Zeb. So that tweet posted, and so many people thought Wikipedia was just spoiling the episode because of me, and they had to release a statement that said, this tweet was posted as the, at the request of a fan to celebrate their birthday. It was scheduled well in advance of any new content. This is insane. You, like, have, like, a, an official real-world tie to Zeb. Yeah. Well, and then here's the other thing, too. Because of that tweet, a bunch of people were wishing me a happy birthday, who I don't know, including the Peter Mayhew Foundation, um, which said, wishing you the happiest of birthdays at Ollie Fresh. I'm sure old Zeb would agree. CC Blumsview, which is Steve Bloom's Twitter. He's yet to respond, but <laughs> I'm here waiting. Fun fun fact, it's my birthday today, and it's the first time we've seen Zeb since the end of Rebels. Um, so I don't I don't know if you guys like want to like I let's get into the episode if you guys are cool with that. I have something else I would like to share. No, I um, I think I think you should you should get I, I think the 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 purple elephant in the room. I think you should start it, with yeah. that. I usually take notes while we watch the episode so I can remember what happens in the Mandalorian. It helps me keep my thoughts together and I just think it's a good practice. It'll help me remember if I had any funny jokes or anything. And I started taking notes in this episode and I'm going to send all of you a screenshot of what my notes looked like from last night. Um and we will post this on our socials when this episode comes out. <laughs> My gender this week should have been gory and sharp. That's hilarious. So, so guys, just for reference, my notes say gory and sharp. Gory and shot first. The Pirate Nation QQQ. Da, a wear dress S dot S. Um, it, it's just because I remember thing, exactly what happened. By the faulty <laughs> I, I stood up and was holding my phone in my hand while I was having a freak out while I was walking back and forth down the halls of our house because I realized Zeb was in the episode. Um, so Zeb was there. Um, obviously I'm having some very big emotions right now. How is everyone else feeling? Um, I had like a full body experience my first thought was, "Oh my god!" I, I, I like I I didn't I didn't I didn't process anything he was saying, 
because I was going zeb 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 Ollie zeb 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 oh my god Ollie <laughs> and I was like wait I missed the scene shit and then I was and then I had to like it's going into the next scene and whatever and I'm like I don't want to see that evil fascist lesbian bring me back zeb and then I was like wait he looked kind of good oh my god um, speak for yourself about not wanting to see the fucking. Oh wait, you kind of did, but like, I wanted to see the evil fascist lesbian. Okay, so fuck you. Representation for evil woman lovers. Can we get evil woman lovers hands up in the chat? Because my hand is in the air. Anyway, no, because um, you know what? If anyone's an evil woman lover, usually it's me. But I don't give a fuck about anyone else in this episode. I feel like my impression of Ollie's experience in this episode was that Zeb showed up and then the remaining like 43 minutes was just mentally static, like on a loop. Yeah, I will say, um, how long was the episode? 44 minutes? I will say it probably took us an hour and 20 minutes to watch the episode because um, Ollie did say, whoa, 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 and have their moment. And then we got back into it. Um, it was also very hard because I'm a Paul Sun Young Lee stan, so I was happy to see Uncle Iroh up in the trenches, ready to fight. No, because can we talk about Carson Tiva? The way that this was his episode and his moment, and the fact that he is now canonically friends with Gera Zeb, I was like, that is the most slay thing. Dave Filoni brought back a med best and then was like, yeah. Carson Tava's friends with Gara Zebarellios. Dave Filoni, I, I will never say anything bad about you ever again. A slay upon a slay. <laughs> no, I was literally like, I'm so sorry, Dave, John, anything I've ever said about you guys. Like, uh, my other gender this week for consideration was Emmy win <laughs> Emmy winning writing duo Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Because <laughs> honestly, they are getting my personal Emmy. It's less um, of an Emmy, it's more of a Ollie. They're getting as an official, the first official Zebby. <laughs> Zebby? Okay. The Zebby Awards? No, because I do love the idea of like an in canon awards show that's just presented by Zeb and it's only like his favorite things from the year. Not even like, not even like on prestige, just like, did he like them or not? Carson Tava, listen, Copaganda got my ass. Is he Loki a cop? Yes, but I would watch I would watch three seasons of cops starring Carson Teva and Zeb. No, because in like the first season of of the Mandalorian when he appeared and I was like, I don't like that they're making the former rebels into cops. Now they kind of implied like he's gonna be one of the people who is a part of the resistance who like breaks off whatever. And and then they played the little march of the resistance when he was getting in his little car and I was like yeah, I was like, I'm back on board. I'm back on board. Okay, you got me back. Like uh, the copaganda, you were scaring me. There, but I'm back on board. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I did kind of the first time, kind of black out everything that was not seven minutes and fourteen seconds to seven minutes and forty three seconds. So basically, everything outside of that twenty nine second window, I kind of, I was kind of a little, a little fuzzy on. Um. I've rewatched that part a lot and I've rewatched some of the parts around it. So I'm thinking I'm getting back into it. But one thing I really was obsessed with about Carson Teva was him being the first bitch to be like, um, hey guys, is that, is this, is this former Imperial not being kind of whack right now? No, guys? literally. Hey guys. He literally was like bombastic side eye. Also followed by, can we talk about how fucking Principal um Principal Higgins from Mean Girls was yeah, just up in there? Hello. Yeah, my first reaction was like, that's the principal from Mean Girls. 
I did not have that connection, but my brain, like my animal brain, like recognized his face. I was like, I know this man. And then later I was like, oh my God, wait, he's from Mean Girls. Also, sorry, I just had to quick correct myself while we're recording as opposed to in post. I did say Principal Higgins. That is the principal from Glee, Principal Duval from Mean Girls. So sorry. No, that whole scene was so funny because like the way that he instantaneously was like, something's fucked up about this lesbian. I am really sure about it. Also, it was like good for her for being like slipping and evil and all. But I'm like the fact that the rest of y'all are not raising your eyebrows. And she was like, maybe they need to learn the benefit of the new Republic. And he's like, by dying. And she's like, yeah, I think so. Oh, I was just going to make a comment, yeah, about his, I loved his little side-eye moment of, like, him glancing and seeing her little amnesty pin on her um, uniform, and, yeah, being like, hmm, and then, when yeah, she starts talking about, like, oh, yeah, they, they, maybe they need to learn that, like, lesson, and him being like, wow, that sounds very imperial of you, like, what the fuck? No, literally, maybe he slayed, also followed by, you know, I just need to talk about something else that I've just kind of been rolling, roiling over in my mind. As we all remember, there was a show that was announced that didn't end up happening because one Gina Carano shot, shot the bed, fumbled the bag called Rangers of the New Republic. May I suggest that in lieu and the off season of the Mandalorian Rangers of the New Republic starring Carson Teva, Gareth Zavarellios. Absolutely. absolutely. That's a, my new Sherlock. Okay, no, because they can't have the same homoerotic tension that exists in any sort of Sherlock Holmes iteration. I can't do that. Sorry, um, Callus, get fucked. Speaking of, okay, speaking of Callus, really quick, there's a couple points vis-a-vis Zeb that I want to bring up before we can move on. Um, obviously, I'm going to keep bringing him up. Sorry. Um, first things first, why is he wearing a pilot uniform? What are we doing? Is he a pilot now? Is he piloting? Who, who, what is he piloting? Quick question. Um, the other question is that a lot of people are like, oh my God, where's Callus? This is not about him. This is about Zeb. This is Zeb's moment. Um, second of all, Callus is at home watching the kids, watching Mara Jade and Revan. Come on. Don't don't forget that he he is a Steve house Bloom literally right tweeted about it. Like he was like, Yeah, they have a home and a garden and their kids. Yeah. Like Callus is at home taking care of them. I do think Rilo, the flying uniform, my headcanon about that is that he doesn't actually, like, fly anything. He just really wanted a sleigh uniform, and they were like, I mean, I guess, like, we have this lying around, it's your size, and he's like, sweet, thank you. No, because what's also so funny is Zeb has only ever had one costume change, because, you know, in Rebels, at I believe after season two, so season three, everyone got kind of a redesign where they got a new outfit. I think Harris was the one that was really changed like the least, but Zeb did not get anything. It was the same. Um, So the only time that he ever had a different outfit was in that one episode where they went undercover on Lothal and they all wore different outfits. So the fact that this is Zeb's third canonical outfit is very special to me. Very where's crazy the, to me. Where, where's the Zeb dress up doll game on starwars.com? I, I would love, for, honestly, they, they stopped responding to my emails when I asked about it. <laughs> Um, I, I, I do have to say, I think, I don't know if it's powers of prophecy or powers of manifestation. Well, who can guess? 
But as people may or may not know, I have been in the shits about something that is not Star Wars for a while. And I was just scrolling on Tumblr and I had the, I just had a thought and I was like, you know, I haven't been in the Kalazeb tab in a while. It just like came to me like as a thing. It's 1 a.m. on whatever last night, which I guess is this morning. And I was like, I'm going to go in the Kalazeb tag. I'm like scrolling through them, whatever. I'm like, oh, I miss these guys. And then he showed up on the screen. I was like, the pa- has has Apollo hit me with the dodgeball prophecy? But then I was also like, I know that in Ollie's house, there is a Zeb shrine. And I think Ollie committed like accidental witchcraft. Like, I think I think Ollie and also all of the people on the Internet who collectively I was like, what happened here? Anyways. Babes, it's not accidental. Every night, Ollie prays in front of the Zeb shrine. <laughs> you don't need to out me like that. No, um, that's a joke, I'm sure. Um, anyway, that would be funny <laughs> if I was doing it like in my sleep, like I was sleepwalking to go pray at yeah. the Zeb shrine in the night. Um, no, this is a funny thing. In the Wikipedia Discord, um, people were because I had tweeted at Wikipedia being like, "Can you make a post about Zeb tomorrow for my birthday?" Um, I had people in that Discord being like, can you make other predictions? Like, can you, t- someone was like, <laughs> Ollie's someone- a prophet. No, literally someone was like, can you predict, a- <laughs> can-, can you ask them to tweet about a Thrawn miniseries finished next year? <laughs> I love the idea that as a result of this, people are like, Ollie is clairvoyant. Like, no, they're able to, they're like, Oracle they're DMing of Delphi, Ollie? No, because they're, they're, the Oracle of Zeb, first of all, I <laughs> we need to be clear about who is, no, I just, I do love the idea that after this happens, you're going to get, like, DM'd on Twitter, people being like, please, do you see this person in the future? <laughs> I I oh. also I also just say, I tweeted last night, oh, manifesting Sabine Wren, and then we saw Zeb at the beginning of the episode, and then at the end of the episode, they're like, we got to go find all the other Mandalorians, and I was like, it's half, it, it's, 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 it's ha- Claudia, I have to interrupt you. Ollie, Ollie, can you manifest Cobb Vanth? Can you manifest no, I, Cobb I Vanth? Literally, I literally thought that. I was like, okay, so now Ollie has to manifest Cobb Vanth for Noah. We uh, need Axwolves, Cobb Vanth. Cody and Thrawn for me. It will be <laughs> no, set. Okay, guys, I'm not manifesting Axwolves because I believe he'll be here. I'm manifesting Fen Rao because that's who Mel actually cares about. <laughs> that's true, guys. I gotta say it. As much as I love Axwolves in the most hypothetical sense, Fenrau is my white boy of the month. He's my white boy of the year. He'll always be my white boy. Um, also followed by speaking of, we've been we've been kind of circling around the second second coming of Zeb, um, and I'd like to talk about another like <laughs> Jesus esque figure. Um, which is Bo-Katan Kreese at the end of this episode because like <laughs> the armor is like Bo. Girly, listen. You have performed all of the miracles necessary. She's literally like Joan of Arc. She's got the goofy little bob and everything. Wait. Okay, okay, Noah's jaw just dropped. Here's here's the thing. thing. No, you don't know Joan of Arc like I do. You do not know Joan like I do. I know. I know in my heart that Bogotan Crease is going, I'm hearing the whispers of St. Margaret, St. Michael, St. Catherine. In this moment, I'm going to lead France to liberation. She's hearing the whispers of the mythosaur. I'm not concerned with that. I'm going to do with the Catholic canon of saints, who, which are guiding Bo-Katan even now. Um, with Bo-Katan and the armor, do um, 
some of our friends, our mutuals, like our our friend. What is her username on Twitter so I can remember? Yeah, Anna Kinamadala. Our friend Anna fucking being like, is take your helmet off. Like the new come away from the window. No, no, literally. Because I was like, what is it with Mandalorians and saying like really homoerotic things about taking off your armor? Because Din is like, take it off or I will. And then the armor is like, take off your helmet, whatever. And I was like, all right, she was like, do you respect my station? I was like, okay, peace. Okay. I I, I literally, I was like, what in the portrait of a lady on fire is happening here? (laughs) I'm just, (laughs) portrait of a lady in Beskar. No, because... Here's my here's my thing too. People are always like, "Oh, I want Din to take his helmet off. I want Din to take his helmet off." I do not care about that. The erotic potential of like, look, we all make fun of Victorians being like, "Oh my god, an ankle that's so hot." But like, come on now, is a wrist reveal kind of cunty? I think yes. But also, yeah, <laughs> portrait of a lady in Beskar. That actually should. That's Bo-Katan's memoir. Wait, she should write that. <laughs> Wait, no. I'm just thinking of the last shot in that movie when she's like, she's watching, <laughs> she's watching the the concert and like silently crying to herself. Like that's that's the that's the armorer, but like you can't see her crying. <laughs> I will say I did like a lot of those scenes. I find it really funny that Bo-Katan has sort of become like Mandalorian Moses, Mando Moshe, if you will, right in time for Passover. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, because you know what my gender almost was this week. Grief Moses Karga. <laughs> no, okay. I see it. I see it. He could part the Red Sea. No, as he was as he was taking all the Navarro the Navarro citizens away from this the city, I was like, oh my god, this is like Moses. And this I was is like, oh my god, the Prince of Egypt. No, because Grief Karga. Also, I was like, well, how come so? F- I thought there were more people living on Navarro for real. No, I he's, he's, he's like, it's me and my thirty group. bitches. No, he's like, it's me and my 30 bitches. We yeah, have to get what, out of here. What are you the magistrate of grief? <laughs> Those 30 bitches. <laughs> to be fair, I think it just was not looking good for everyone else. Like, I mean, you saw that, like, oh, that, that makes more bartender, sense. That grandpa bartender was still there in the city and the, the pirates were being mean to him. They pushed him over. Yeah, I think it was just the people that he could get out because there was definitely still people. Although, I do love the idea that, like, Remember when we saw the Mandalorian covert and we were like, how do they have so many people now? Because didn't a bunch of people die? And now we're like, wait, how are there so... I love the idea that, that in Star Wars, they just don't know how many people. They're just like, we're just assembling a group of people. And the numbers, who knows? I will also say, though, when he was like, we need to get everyone to safety away from the ship that's trying to blow up our city. I have an idea. Let's go to flat, exposed, open ground where we're in clear sight of anything in the sky. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude to Navarro's evacuation plan, but this is like, okay, my university does fire drills and in one of the buildings, there's fully only like really like one exit out. And every time they're like, well, that exit is blocked. What do you do? Die, I guess. Like, that's what they're doing. We're going to run on the the lava flats to stay protected. My darling, they can see you. I I also was thinking about it and he's like, yeah, I have this whole town. I still don't have a lawman, but you know what? Good for him because you don't need cops, sir. But he's like, I still don't have a lawman. I was like, you don't have any aerial defense. So like, he was like, oh, we have to defend ourselves. I'm like, from aerial bombardment? Like, how are you going to defend yourself from that unless you got your own fighters? Also, you used to run like a a whole thing with bounty hunters and now you're just like, 
I have no protection, nothing. A giant ship is coming. And they're like, oh, what are we going to do? I'm like, it's clearly going to shoot you from above. Like, I, I, you know what? This is this is just about the episode in general. Um, I, I get, I'll say what I said before of like, I love when Star Wars gets back to being campy and stupid because half of it was like aliens, slapstick humor, fucking references to the original trilogy, trench run bullshit people running like mandalorians beating the shit out of pirates i was like this is like an original trilogy fans fucking wet dream and it's stupid and it doesn't make any sense logically and i'm having a great fucking time also zeb is here like what else could you fucking want from a star also dave filoni was like i'm gonna bring back a med best i'm gonna bring back zeb and then i'm gonna pass the bechdel test several times with having these two women talk to each other you know what dave filoni i will never say anything bad about you ever again I, speaking of Dave Filoni, uh, him being there in the episode with his silly little cowboy hat, Trapper Wolf, I see you, I see you, and your silly little cowboy hat, I can't believe you brought into Star Wars. Dave Filoni really said, no, the cowboy hat's coming with me, I only take it off when I have to wear, like, my pilot helmet, but when I'm not in the helmet, I gotta have the hat. It's like, do you guys remember the story of the the woman with the the red ribbon or the green ribbon around her neck, and you take it off and her head falls off? That's like Dave Filoni in his cowboy hat. <laughs> I saw a picture of him on a red carpet without his cowboy hat on one time, and I was really like scared and sad. Like I was like naked. It's, no, it's like seeing like an animal that's like clearly not comfortable and not in a good environment. <laughs> I was like, I felt like that that image that was like that person when Raymond got put into Animal Crossing and they were like, you're clearly not, you clearly don't have Raymond in an environment that's happy for him. I expect him in boxes. I will be coming to collect him. Like, yeah, that, the- that is me when Dave is not wearing his cowboy hat. Um, yeah. The- now I'm imagining John Favreau being like, um, you clearly are taking care of Dave Filoni. Please return him to me. <laughs> also, apparently, Deborah Cho was also in that scene hanging out. I so was, was like, well, yeah, so, so was Rick. Um, so all They're the all, be- all the bestie girls were hanging out with Zeb. All the icons yeah. were hanging out with Zeb. Can I also just say, re Zeb? I don't want to say that I was surprised by how good he looked, but I was like, I guess thrilled is the better word. Like he he looked really good. We've no. been like haggling over like how if at all live action the thoughts would look and i was like he's he's slaying like he gave i was tell i was thinking earlier the first thing i saw first of all i want to say they did such a good job i love how he looks i recognized him i was like first of all no one else has that goofy ass beard i know that's him i know that's him i recognize the stripes on his fucking head because i'm insane and there's something wrong with me but uh, my thought when i first saw zeb and like after the initial shock and went off I went, I bet that they are doing a Sonic the Hedgehog-esque move where this is all we're going to see of Zeb and the Mandalorian, right? A lot like when the Sonic trailer came out, people saw how ugly Sonic looked and they then fixed Sonic before the movie came out. What I am willing to bet is that they were like, we're going to give Zeb this quick like 29 second clip and then if everyone says he's fuck ugly, we can change him in time for Ahsoka. That is my main prediction. So if we don't see Zeb again in this show, I will not be surprised. I will be thrilled if he does show up, but I would not be surprised if we don't see him again. But that's my 
current theory because honestly the other thing too is like that could have been anyone like that did not have to be zeb there was no like nothing about that interaction that was like was tied to anything that zeb would know so i like it was a very deliberate choice and i'm like something something's happening here also zeb slander because zeb would have gone with carson tava he would have gone he would have gone with him on the little adventure i just Maybe he has other shit to do. Yeah, he has kids at home he to think about. Mara, Mara Jade and Revan needed to get fed. Yeah, and who's to say there's not a third on the way? He can't be going into dangerous missions right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I need to talk about some other things that happened in this I'm episode. Sorry. Other than I'm sorry, when you said third what? on the way, my only, my literal immediate thought was, was Zeb in the bar looking for a third? Was he, was, uh, he was there in the first no! place. <laughs> You know I'm sorry. Third anyway, Gregor. So like, he's not <laughs> <laughs> so true. No, I'm sorry. Really quick, I don't think that we've talked about this enough on this podcast because I think I may have brought it up like once. But I do believe that Gregor and Zeb explored each other's bodies like once, and then they were like, "Oh, this is just going to be a physical thing, whatever." And then like they don't see each other for a long time, and Zeb and Gregor see each other again, and Gregor's like, "Oh my god, he has like a new boyfriend who's like young and handsome," and he's like. I have feelings for him still, but, like, I don't want to hold him back because this clearly makes him really happy. So he just kind of lets him go. And then he pushes Callus out of the way in the in the series finale of Rebels and takes the shot because he knows that Callus makes Zeb happy. Is this, this is the advanced Zegger lore? Zeb it, Gregor? It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, the, guys, I, I like, I... I'm telling you guys, like, we can't talk about Zeb too long on this show because all of the things that I have thought over the course of, like, all the years since I've watched Rebels, like, will start flowing out of my mouth, like, word vomit. Like, I won't be able to stop it. I thought it was really fun that the little monkey lizards um, were helping out the Mandalorians when they're, like, about to get, you know, fucking goon squatted by the pirates because they're, like, focusing on... Like they're like, oh my god, where are the pirates and the, the little monkey lizards are like they they made their little squawk noises. <laughs> like, oh my god, there they are. And then the Mandalorians are like, oh my god, they're gonna ambush us. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Cause I like those little monkey lizards. So true. That entire little sequence was very fun. I enjoyed that Megan the Mandalorian did serve major, massive, gigantic, throbbing cunt. Um, it was so slay. Um, it was very hard. And here's the problem with all of the background Mandalorians, um, is that I can't really tell. It's like white people facial blindness, but for Mandalorians, where like so many of them have like similar paint jobs, I'm like I can't keep track of who is who. So everyone is low key Megan, but also everyone is low key JC Penny. So if we're talking about background Mandalorians okay Paz Vizsla is not a background Mandalorian but I do thought I did think it was really funny him like gaslighting everybody doing his little speech being like so I <laughs> I hated everybody but and that's why I'll be helping to save I was like the the drama that he brought to like he clearly knew like that that was the the, the like turn like he planned that little dramatic turn and I was like I love his little theater kid moment anyway <laughs> So true. I would like to talk about something in this episode that I think was really cunt and slay. I'm saying cunt a lot. I think this episode is going to be explicit simply because I said throbbing cunt earlier. <laughs> um, anyways, point is, I really liked this episode 
not just because of Zeb's presence. That was definitely a very big draw and appeal. I will just say, I just think that Grief, Grief and Carson, Peepaw Slay episode is what this felt like. Oh, I thought you were going to say they should kiss. I thought you were going to say that they had explored each other's bodies. And I was like, okay, probably. That is kind of Slay too. I love that. I also just like the, like, the parts where like Mandalorians were there. I really enjoyed that. Um, there was once again, a kind of like a, Hey guys, we're not a cult moment. Um, with the armor being like, Hey, Bo-Katan, first of all, you're like the second coming. So like you can take off your helmet. You're cool. You're chill. Um, and also like, I don't know. It's just, it's giving, I've been given, more information so opinions that i had earlier can change and did change the same exact thing happened to bo-katan so all i'm saying is that guys it's not a cult the text keeps on telling you that we gotta listen well and i also liked too because like i know i know that some people on twitter are being like see and this is because they are making it up as they go along and it is bad and i'm like okay first of all that's not how religions work but second of all the armorer's like primary, if only goal, is to like protect Mandalorians as a group of people. And she's like, look, the most effective way to do that and to get people to like come to us so we can actually be like a functional collective is to embrace that there is more than one way to be a Mandalorian. Which is why I also thought it was cool that like when Paz is like, you know, well, she shows her face and the armor is like, yes, that is an option. Hope this helps. Like I don't know. One thing about orthodoxy that I think is important, especially when you're telling a story about it, is that it is an option. Like, it's a choice you can make or not make. And so I like this idea that it's not that the armor is like, well, now we're going to break our own rules. It's more so that she's like, they're, like Mel was saying, like, she has more availability to, like, theoretically explore what it means to be a Mandalorian, which I think is very sliving. Also, because it's very homoerotic, but that's separate from my analysis of how textually this is approaching orthodox religiosity. And yeah, it's it's not a cult. Some people were like, oh, it's a cult because she sees she's like reinforcing the ideals. And I'm like, that is not how that works. This is not what that is. I also kept getting really annoyed by seeing all the, the all the jokes and the memes of like Din Djarin being like, hey, I had to do all these things, whatever. And I'm like, that's because it's a choice. That's because Din wants to. When she said in the book of Boba Fett and whatever, and she's like, you know, all right, well, you're an apostate now. She's not saying like, we hate you, whatever, whatever. I mean, a Paz Vizel wanted to beat his ass, but that's because the dark saber was there, whatever. She's not saying like, we hate you, you're bad, whatever. She's like, okay, well, you're not a part of our thing anymore, whatever. She's just like, these are the facts. And he he chooses to basically try to do the impossible, which is find Mandel according to what they know. Because it's his choice. It's his choice to follow the rules. And her whole thing with Bogotan is like, it, it wasn't really like when she originally, it wasn't really her choice. And she goes, okay, well, you by both choice and also circumstance with all the complicated shit you've been through, you don't walk the way the same way that we do. So sim- symbolically, like it's like you didn't really, you it, it, to me, it's symbolic of like when she says to her, um, you know, did you take your your helmet off? She's like, well, no. And it's kind of an accident. It's not a choice. And Din, when he took his helmet off, it was a choice. And then when he, he did all this stuff to get back, it was a choice. And then when armor ta- the armor talks to Bogotan, she's like, you know what? That wasn't your choice. What we do is a choice. And that's the whole thing. Anyways, it's not a cult. If you want to learn about what an actual cult looks like in Star Wars, go fucking read The High Republic Phase 2, The Path of the Open Hand. 
please God, learn and a and a religious associated one, and also meet characters with religious trauma concerning them. Shout out to Zine Morala. Then then go read it. If if you have Christian religious trauma associated with fucking especially uh fundamentalist Christianity and cults and shit like that, go read the High Republic. Go look at the Path of the Open Hand. Go study Zine Morala. Read the Star Wars Star Wars Adventures. I will I will take be taking no more slander from the Mandalorians. Also, I did love the parallels with kind of a similar scene in in Rebels when she uh, Sabine gives her the dark saber and she's uniting all the groups. And the sim for me the symbolism there was like at that time she thought she could do it and the Empire beat her ass down. And this time around they're saying like not only like it wasn't your fault or that like her whole thing is she's like I wasn't the right person I wasn't ready I wasn't whatever it was like no it was that you know the empire beat your ass um there nobody could have been ready but it's also that like that was the right choice uniting people across their different clans across their different beliefs was the right choice and we're giving you another chance um because you've had all these varied experiences and also after she's able to like she's you know I mean, we've seen her. She's hung out with, you know, she's hung out with Jedi. She's hung out with different factions of Mandalorians. Literally every every faction of Mandalorian has hung out with her. She's hung out with, and now she's hung out with the children of the Watch. She's she's guided Din along his way or whatever. And like, they keep showing that. Um, I did think at the end of the episode that they were going to have her challenge Din for the Darksaber, um, which would have been cool and poetic or whatever. I don't know what they're going to end up doing. But I just thought the whole thing was very symbolic. Also, when I remember like a year ago or a season ago, whatever, maybe it was when the book of Boba Fett came out and they had Din trying to train with the Darksaber. And I was saying all the par- people were showing all the parallels with Sabine with the Darksaber and kind of Din's journey and how it's it's not really about how they are eventually going to have the Darksaber. Din was never going to rule Mandalore. That's not his story. It never is. If I hear one more fucking thing of like, they're sidelining him. He should be the Shut up. Stop. Enough. Um, the whole his it's literally Dave Filoni going hi it's Sabine Ren 2 but Electric Boogaloo and now he's basically doing Rebels to Electric Boogaloo with that same fucking scene with with Bo-Katan anyways if they don't show Sabine Ren next I'm gonna fucking kill someone and I'm gonna call it homophobic anyways getting to see Bo-Katan's like face in that scene it did remind me quite a lot of Rebels and I just damn Katie Sackhoff she's giving um also can we talk about the fucking end of the episode moff gideon girl if axe woe saved your ass this is gonna be so embarrassing for me tiktok user grunkle rex as the person who is who has supported you through thick and thin for you to turn your back on me and on everyone we were all rooting for you you stanky bitch i First of all, I loved that scene just because, like, it had, like, a horror-y vibe to it for a second. Like, I was kind of on edge. I was like, please tell me, like, nothing bad happens here. But, yeah, the idea that Axe Wolves busted Moff Gideon out of prison, that is beyond fucking funny to me. If that's, like, what has happened, I'll be giggling and laughing till the end of time. No, and the fact that he left behind a freaking, like, 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 um, Beskar kidney stone in the wall, like... (laughs) I just, I don't, I also, I will say, I will throw my hand in the ring. I had this concept, because I don't know if it's Axwell's, I think it'd be fucking hilarious if it was, but what I thought 
my first instinct, I, I don't know how true this is, but what if I was like in the flashbacks, not the flashbacks, um, I'm sorry, in the recap, um, there's the scene from Book of Boba Fett where they're like, oh, where, like Paz Vizla is clearly like, oh, well, they're going to show Moff Gideon Republic justice, but it's not like actual justice for what he did to us. And then there's also the part where they're asking Din, like, oh, did you kill him? And he's like, no. And I had the thought, wouldn't it be fucked up if, I don't think this is going to happen, but if it does, I predicted it, the covert kidnapped Moff Gideon to be like, you are also the true holder of the Darksaber because Din didn't, like, kill you. And then they're going to be like, Bo-Katan, kill his ass. (laughs) My thing when I was watching that as well, it was like, wait a minute, how did they get, how did, how did ostensibly Axe Wolves get him out of the ship and so for a brief moment in time i entertained the fantasy that he didn't like think about the fact that he would not also have a pressurized spacesuit so he like just drags moff gideon's frozen desiccated corpse out and is like fuck what do i do with this and he like brings it to the ship he's like maybe he'll just like warm up i don't know like i'll figure it out so he just has like this like moff gideon like in his ship and is like i don't know what to do with this I'm just imagining the scene in The Last Jedi where Leia, like, f- flies. It's happens. got Moff Gideon. Additionally, you know what I also was thinking about? <laughs> I don't know why I was like, Axe Woves is Force-sensitive. It was like, eh. <laughs> And that's how the best guy gets there. Also followed by, additionally, I feel like it also could be just, like, not a red herring, but it could also be something of, like, um essentially the the hidden empire not the hidden empire sorry kira (laughs) um but like um like the first order what is ray sloan is like i'm committing crimes i'm framing the mandalorians at this point i do believe they're called imperial remnants um bitch asses bitch asses (laughs) i i will also say my first thought was Finn Rao? And then I was like, why would Finn Rao do that? <laughs> Finn Rao would Finn never. Like, no, he's like, I think I've seen this film before. I've been a, I've been a, a prisoner before. I'm getting you out. Prison abolitionist Finn Rao. <laughs> okay, I do think I do think it's important that we do touch on the context in which a Mandalorian might want to bust him out of prison. Because here's the thing. I think that there is a good I, I think it's interesting to consider that perhaps the Mandalorians are being framed. Um, however, I also think that it is important to consider um, Moff Gideon did some very fun uh, attempted uh, genocide to them. So I'm kind of like, you know what? If a Mandalorian broke him out and is going to show him Mandalorian justice, real. So true. What I can't be mad. What if it's Sabine Wren and she's actually like, I'm actually going to beat his ass personally. Oh, she's so like, Ahsoka, he's- Ahsoka, hold on. We have to pause the field trip for Ezra. I gotta go beat his ass. <laughs> she brought she brought him home to go like hang out with um like with Ursa and Tristan and Ulrich, and they're like, we're gonna beat the fuck out of you. Okay, no, this is this is completely off the topic that we were talking about, but I do want to mention it. I would like to thank Grief Karga for solving the Mandalorian refugee crisis. He said, first of all, he could have say like fix this problem. A while ago, but Din was like too proud to be like, okay, 
Um, but he was like, okay, here's your parcel partial parcel of land. I'm ceding it to you, the Mandalorians. Welcome to New Mandalore. What's up, guys? I'm Grief Karga, and I approve this message. Grief Karga for Mandalore. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Grief Karga with say- the dark saber. <laughs> okay, but he would. would I, the- I feel like here's the thing about Grief Karga too. He wouldn't even like use it as what it's for. He'd be like, "This is such a lovely accessory." He'd be like, "This really he adds to my outfit." He work. He he like ignites it and wears it like a necklace. Like, with a chain around That's it. That's real. Oh, my God. I feel like he'd also be like, now I need to go to, like, an all-monochromatic, like, black and gray color palette to match with my vibe of having the Darksaber. I- okay, this is kind of like, this is kind of like when gays bring Carly Rae Jepsen's swords at her, at her performances. This is them to Grief Karga. Grief Karga is a lot like Carly Rae Jepsen, guys. No, what? because I feel like he could write emotion. I feel like he could do it. What happened was, we reached the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say my, my like broad final thoughts on this episode was that it was fun. Zeb appearing was a very sliving moment of prophetic visions from Ollie. Although in fairness, Ollie has predicted Zeb's appearance in like every episode of any given show that we watched really ever. Um, however, what I'm really looking forward to is the Mandalorian covert's um, rendition of Deliver Us from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. <laughs> I really want to see that. <laughs> No, okay, because Bo-Katan singing the Ten Plagues, that'd be okay. mega kind. That'd yeah. be so conscious of her. Stop. I don't know who she's singing. Ag- I don't know who Pharaoh is in this story. I guess Moff Gideon. <laughs> Wait, Moff Gideon? <laughs> Moff Gideon is Pharaoh? Okay. So if you Who's all know... Moses? Yeah, if you all... Brief Bo-Katan! Oh. <laughs> Does that imply that they, they were raised as siblings? Moff Gideon I'm not, and here, I'm, not, I'm not here to examine the continuity of Jewish Moff Gideon lore. is Corky Kreese? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not here to examine the intersection of Jewish and Mandalorian lore. I'm just saying I think it would be extremely funny if Bogutan did a Ten Plague style shot reverse shot with Moff Gideon in a musical number. And I think it'd be mega kind. There's a tweet that I've been thinking about for weeks where it just says, Hey, Diva, can I call you Diva? You're not in trouble, Boots. My name is Detective Fierce. I'm just trying to get the tea on this situation. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be the new Republic in regards to Moff Gideon's disappearance. <laughs> Coming up to the Mandalorian covert going, Hey, Diva, can I call you Diva? That was literally Carson Teva in this episode. Yeah, real. when he comes yeah, up real. to the, the Mandos and he's just like, Hey. <laughs> I, I was I was obsessed with Din's little look at the droid. Be like, the one time I trust a droid and you break the fucking New Republic here, I'm going to fucking kill your ass. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of obsessed with I just want to say, Gareth Aurelios, please contact me. I need to know that you are doing well. Um, it was a wonder to see you again. This is directly to Zeb, so if everyone else could just turn the volume on their headphones down, I would appreciate it. Um, Zeb, you mean the world to me. You made this the best birthday I could ever ask for. You continue to slay. I'm sorry that the girls said you were going to be ugly in live action because I've been saying since the beginning, I don't give a fuck if you're ugly in live action. I'll love you all the same. But you weren't. You looked so slay. And I can't express how happy that has made me. Thank you. Okay, everyone else can turn their headphones back up. Yeah, my final thoughts were, um, I, you know... I'm notorious for not knowing who the fuck anyone is. And then I was watching Cinderella 2015 the other night and I was like, oh, I really love the the Knight Commander man. 
what else has he been in? Because I feel like he's so familiar to me. I cannot place my finger. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's Gorian Shard. And so when he showed up in this episode, I was like, oh, my God. Hey, King, I just saw you in Cinderella 2015. Um, But yeah, the episode was fun. <laughs> I, I liked it a lot. I also, to address the thing with like uh people being like wow why is Bo-Katan getting more um more screen time than Din we also have to consider the fact that Pedro was I'm pretty sure also doing Last of Us stuff around this time when they're doing Mando stuff so oh he's straight up probably the only scene that he was actually in physically was the one where he was standing quite cuntily um talking to Carson <laughs> Tava when he was talking, when he was talking to Carson Tava, um, and you could tell that that was that yeah, man. Yeah, the little hip, the hip, the little hip. Yeah, the that, he, yeah. I was like, that's, that's him. him. That's gotta be him. Yeah, I was like, that was the only time he was in the suit. The whole rest of it was the two other guys, um, and then he just did the ADR later when he was done with the last of us. <laughs> I also, um, quite enjoyed, you know, what when the armorer and Bo-Katan are coming back, and Bo-Katan doesn't have her helmet on, and and all the the Mandos are like. Turning to look like, oh my god, she doesn't have her helmet on. Just like the double takes, like what? That gave that gave. It's like in a like a um teen rom com type movie when the girl like takes off her glasses and like swishes her hair back and forth and walks down the stairs. <laughs> I feel like this was Bo-Katan in her "You Belong with Me" music video era. Alternatively, have y'all seen Easy A with Emma Stone? Yes. When will they do that in The Mandalorian? <laughs> Loki in this fight, Din's ship looked like an IUD. <laughs> no, why would you say that? Listen, Mel mentioned this to me before we came to record, and I was like, yeah, that's Din Djarin has a Beskar IUD. What about it? It matches his ship. Fuck the copper IUD. <laughs> I got a Beskar one. <laughs> And his ass is not getting pregnant. That's true, yeah. Has, that's, not for lack yet. of trying. Good for him. Yeah, oh. him and Cobb Vanta really... Are you... No, because... Trying, trying to give Grogu a sibling? No. What are you saying? Because how come when I make a joke about Zeb being pregnant earlier, it's not funny and everyone boos, and now it's this funny Callus when you guys talk one, about Din Djarin? Callus is the one getting pregnant, not Zeb. Shut the fuck up, Claudia. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, Claudia. I didn't mean. To, I'm sorry that your actions made me act out of character. I don't think I've ever seen Ollie that mad in my entire life. You were <laughs> like, put your face up. Shut the fuck up, Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Name That Ship. If y'all don't already know, it is the segment where one of us hosts presents to the other hosts a fun little fanfic and reads the tags. And based off those tags, the others have to guess what the ship, or sometimes it's like fandoms because there's crossovers of the the, the fic is. As always, disclaimer, um... We, you know, love and appreciate fanfic here, so don't go looking for people and being mean because we're not trying to be mean. We genuinely appreciate 
fanfic writers and all their fanfics that we find, even if sometimes they're crazy. We think it's very slay. So, this is the fic I am bringing. It was submitted to us, to me specifically, from at magpie underscore myth on TikTok. So, thank you for this. Um... This is, I'm not going to say the name of this fic because it is a fairly recent fic. So, yeah. Um, so, character A slash character B, minor background relationships. Um, character B, character A. Another character who I'm not going to bring up because it will give away who character B is. And then one more character I'm not going to... Actually... Oh my god, if I say any of these characters, it will give away one of the the people. So I will skip all the other characters who are in this fic and then say enemies to lovers, fake slash pretend relationship, um, alternate universe, everyone lives slash nobody dies. Except Palpatine. Um, this is Jedi character B and mystery. Is one of them Commander Cody? No. Are the the list of characters that you couldn't say, are they from the prequels? Uh, not technically no. I mean, they're from that era, I guess. Are either of them Force-sensitive? One of them is Force-sensitive. Are they usually Force-sensitive? Yes. Are they both men? Is one of them director Krennic? Um, they are both men, and no, Krennic is not here. Is, is any of them a clone? And is the force sensitive one a Jedi? Um, yes, character A is a clone, and um, the other one is not a Jedi, but they is are the a Jedi clone in this Fox? Fic. No, it's not Fox. Fuck. Is it a man? Yeah, they're both men. Uh, is the other character human? Uh, like you mean character B, the one yeah. that's not the clone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just said they're a clone. The first one. So yeah, no, they're not human. Okay. So it's a clone and a non-human, mm-hmm. and they're both boys. Mm-hmm. What if we? No. <sighs> no, it's not a um... Jedi, but they're a Jedi in this fic, and they're usually always force sensitive. Mm-hmm. Is it Maul? Yeah. What? Okay, so character is B is Maul and character A is a clone. It's not Dogma, and yeah, they're a clone. Fuck. Is it? Is it okay? I'm trying to think Rex? of characters. So I went. No. No. Is it? Is it? No. Is it Kicks? Gregor. No. Fuck. Wait. Who- I really. Did you say Gregor? It's not Gregor. Jesse. I think. No. No. Fives. I, I would hard case. No. No. <laughs> Wrecker. <laughs> no. Is it a member of the Cross Bad Batch? It is Crosshair. Right. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Have we brought a mall slash Crosshair? No, we I, to the table. We Savage and Crosshair is what we yeah, brought. Savage yeah. and um, Feral were like some of the characters I couldn't bring up, and then all the Bad Batch. Oh my oh, god! Wow. 
I'm obsessed so with it's that. Jedi Maul slash crosshair? Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, hang on. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The girls are this. Hmm. This is like a, this is like evil Cody one. They're not they're evil Cody. One. <laughs> are you guys ready for another one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one. This one is so. Yeah. So it's character A slash character B. I'm not going to tell you what it's called. Actually, I will. I'm going to start over. I'm sorry. This fic is called Poolside Manor. It's character A slash character B. Character A slash character C. Character A slash character B slash character C. Character C. Character B. Character A. Alternate universe modern setting. Consensual adultery. Open marriage. Polyamory. Groundskeeper character B. Architect character C. Desperate house spouse character A. Rimming frottage handjob. What? I know what it is, but I will say oh, that. Wait, um, you know char- what okay. character, character B is really nervous about taking an interview that he had heard so many of his colleagues get turned away from at the door. But that all changes when he's invited inside. Mel knows what it is because we have talked about it before. Okay, so are all three characters men? Yes. Are any of them force sensitive in universe? No. In in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah, I understand. No. Okay, so there so there's no Jedi, no force users. No Jedi. No any force clones. clones. No clones. Are these from um before or after the rebellion? Um, like during. Okay, okay. Have these characters appeared in Rebels? Have yes, any of them? All of them have. All of them okay. Have. Is one of them Zeb? One of them is Zeb. Zeb is character B. It is groundskeeper Zeb. Zeb is going in for the job interview. Callus is the desperate house spouse. So Callus is married to character C. And Zeb shows up. So so Callus is married to a different character, and then they all have a threesome. Zeb is <laughs> cucking? One, is one throw. Basically, yeah. It's not what character? No, because guys. What character looks like they would be enjoy they would enjoy being cooked? <laughs> Shut up, you're so hateful. Is it Krennic? <laughs> no, Krennic in Rebels? <laughs> is it my Finn favorite Rao? Rao? Um my the- favorite Rebels character, Orson Kellen Krennic. Is it Fen Rao? It is Fen Rao. What? I what remember the this. Fuck? I remember yeah, so this is, so this is this. Yeah, so this is this is Ka- this is Kalish slash Zeb. Kalish slash Fen Rao. Callus slash Zeb slash Fenrau, uh, groundskeeper Zeb, architect Fenrau, desperate house spouse Callus. Basically, Zeb shows up for an interview to be their groundskeeper, and then they're like, "Oh my god, come in!" They're like, I'm, "Oh my god, we really like your vibe. Do you want to?" No, be it's there? Zeb. Zeb, why yeah. is your taste white boys? <laughs> no, literally, I'm like, wow. get out of here. Yeah, this is just a very. I've been sitting on this ship and here's the other thing there's like how many ships there are four works in the callus slash zeb slash fen rao tag holy is it all from the same person no whoa it's actually three different people this tag is popping off good for them but also how about compared to how many fics are there for zeb and gregor not a lot i've read all of them that (laughs) says a lot about society (laughs) 
thank you so much for joining us this week for the Ollie celebratory episode of RuPalp's Pod Race, otherwise as Zeb Palp's Pod Race. No. <laughs> RuPalp's Zeb Race. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it should be. Um, our episodes drop every Sunday while The Mandalorian is airing. Um, and for updates, Star Wars news, um, our reactions to the High Republic Phase 2, and more cursed shit, you can follow us on social media at Rupalps Pod Race. Um, we are on Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, Instagram. We do have a Facebook page if you you tend to use that. I don't I I always forget to mention that. Um, if you want to ask us a question, you can send it to our TikTok Q&A, our Tumblr ask box, or you can email us at brewpalpspodrace at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to submit a fan fiction for us to do name uh, name that ship, uh, we, we may or may not do it, but we have a form that we put in our show notes every week that you can submit a fic if you find something fun or yas and slay. Uh, if you really love the show, please rate and review it on Whatever uh, podcast app you use, that means Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, Overcast. Um, Spotify now has fun features where you can make comments, apparently. Um, And also tell a friend who might be interested in it, um, like an MLM, and it really helps us out. May the force be with you, and don't crip it up. Waka waka. Waka waka.